This is Live Well Talk on Blood Donation. I'm Dr. Dustin Arnold, Chief Medical Officer at UniPoint Health, St. Luke's Hospital. While many might celebrate National Braille Literacy Month in January, it's also Blood Donation Month, a time to celebrate the life-saving impact of blood donation as well as platelet donation. And joining me today is Suzanne Felton, Laboratory Manager at St. Luke's to discuss blood donation, the blood giving process, blood types, and more. Suzanne, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. So, Suzanne, take me through the blood donation process. I'm going to go donate blood. Just walk me through it. Well, usually um, the first thing is being prepared. So being um, well hydrated, well rested, and of good health. And the whole process takes about an hour. Uh, When you first present, you need to have a photo ID and some basic registration um, information. And then you start the pre-donation screening, which includes blood pressure, temperature, heart rate, hemoglobin check. And then they'll go through your donor history questionnaire, which might ask you about travel, your health history, or any other factors associated with an increased risk of infection that could be transmitted um, by blood. Um, So then when you get through all that, then you get to go recline in a chair. They will cleanse your arm, perform the phlebotomy, which only takes about eight to 10 minutes for the donation. And then you will receive fluids and snacks afterwards. Is it, a couple questions, is it always one pint donated? It's um, 350 milliliters is what it is total. Okay. And how often can I give blood? You can give blood every eight weeks. Okay. I'm a doctor. I I think I understand hematology. How does a cookie help you after you've given blood? Well, I think... And and I'm pro-cookie, so I don't (laughs) want any listeners to think I'm anti-cookie. Pro-cookie. Frosted sugar cookies are truly the best treat. (laughs) But is that just... Is that really just to say, well, here's a snack? Or is it really to drive up the blood glucose? I think um, it's probably a combination of both to... Um, you know, you're supposed to eat before coming. Um, that is an important part of it. And so it just probably helps everybody when having that drop in volume to replace it right away and and get that nourishment in there. Do you provide frosted sugar cookies? I, well, I don't know what Impact Life always provides. I think they have a choice of different snacks, but I doubt every time there is a frosted sugar cookie. Well, you might want to pass on to them. I think they would have much more blood donated if they advertise frosted sugar cookies. What what do we do with the blood after it's donated? So after the donation, it goes to the blood donor center where they um, they provide uh, they check it for testing. So you have blood that's drawn for direct testing to make sure that there's no infectious disease. And then um, it gets broken down into different components. Um, It gets centrifuged, so the plasma is removed. And um, it also is taken through a process that the whole blood is leukocyte reduced so that there isn't leukocytes or white blood cells in in the blood. and those components can, different things can happen to them um, depending on what the need is of the of the donor center, what their greatest need is at the time. So is it possible if I donate, they keep both my plasma and my red cells? 
Yes, for sure. They will. Okay. They'll do it's something. one or the other. It's mm -hmm. okay. Yep. Awesome. So if I donate blood, they can both use both my red blood cells and my plasma cells? Yes. So the plasma will get separated and depending on what they need with the plasma, they could um, make cryoprecipitate or other um, other components with the plasma. Is all blood, you mentioned that they filter out the white blood cells. Is all blood products filtered for white blood cells? Yes, well, some products that are collected like platelets go through a phoresis process. Most of the time platelets can be collected that way. Um, so they already are white blood cell reduced with the component part, um, the component prep part of it. But and then plasma, when they take off the plasma, they have already separated and the whites are not part of the plasma product. OK. So it's really redundant for a doctor to order leukocyte reduced red blood cells because they're all leukocyte reduced. Yes, that's very common now. At least yeah. that is always what we purchase is leukocyte reduced um, red blood cells. And but there could be variations um, throughout the, the US or other practices out there. OK, now you mentioned impact life. That is the our vendor or the blood collection. Mm -hmm. uh, vendor. Uh, how, how big a service area do they cover? I think they are at least in three states, wow. if not four. Um, I know they're in Illinois and Missouri for sure, besides Iowa. So even if the Red Cross does a blood drive, does it go to Impact Life? Not necessarily. They sometimes do purchase blood from other um, vendors. If there is a need, um, they do all work closely together, uh, but Impact Life does try to sustain their own blood supply. And in your observation, when national, when there's shortages, uh, is it is that across the country that it just cycles like that? Or are there some regions like always have a lot of blood and some that don't have? Or is it pretty balanced? Usually it's pretty balanced. I would say if there is um, a natural disaster or something specifically that is happening in a region that will specifically impact that region um, that might not be um, across the United States. But I would say during holiday times, there is across the board usually um, a high demand because of the lower collection volume that's occurring. Okay. And how, if I donated blood today, how long is that? Would they keep that around? It is good for 21 days. Okay. Even if it's frozen, then they pitch it or? Um, that is a special process to freeze blood. And they would only do that with very specific, unique um, type blood products. Okay. Well, speaking of unique, what, what is the rarest blood type? Well, most blood bankers will tell you that the blood type that is the rarest is what we need and we don't have it. That's a great answer. Yes, but by the population, um, AB negative is only 1% of the U.S. population. Sweet, that's mine. So I'm rare. You are. <laughs> I, all right. I think some people would agree with that probably. <laughs> not, not always in the best circumstances, perhaps. And that you said O negative is the, or O positive is the most common? O positive is the most common. That's about 39% of the population. 
Okay. So, you know, I, I, I want to give a little shout out to your leadership uh, of our blood, uh, our transfusion medicine committee and, and your role you play in that. And you've been phenomenal. But uh, I want listeners to understand that, you know, we look at blood transfusions and make sure that blood's being used appropriately because it is such a precious resource. Um, I know you've heard it. I, I, I've said it and I read it sometime. It's not mine, but, you know, it's a liquid organ transplant. I mean, it's a serious situation to give someone blood, and we need to really prioritize that because, as you indicated, sometimes it can then be short. So, and also we, the work we've done with Jehovah Witness and uh, coming up with a protocol for people that may not want blood. So, I think that's been some great work that we've done. You said it goes down during the holidays. How long does that last? This drop. Usually, um, I would expect it to last three to four weeks. Um, and COVID has definitely impacted blood donation as a whole. Um, we, it's not necessarily that more blood is being used, but because of the restrictions that businesses, schools, community drives, those have all been impacted by this. People working from home so that they're not at their workplace that maybe they had a blood drive. So overall, um, donation numbers are down across the U.S., and we're definitely feeling it um, more often, that constraint on our blood supply. Now, we had a recent uh, employee blood drive, didn't we? Yes, we did. And how many units did we collect there? We collected 59 units. Wow. And it was that was a great drive. We've had um, at least 70 in the past, but for... Uh, for how the demand right now on our healthcare employees, um, I think it was a great turnout and definitely is helping through the holidays um, through in the um, few weeks beyond while that blood will be part of our inventory. And another, I guess, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but we use about 200 a month. Yes, um, we've we've went between 180 to 200 units a month. Yep. Yeah. Just kind of interesting trivia on that one. Yeah. So if if community members, listeners uh, want to donate blood, how do they go about that? Uh, they can go to www.bloodcenter.org. That is Impact Life's, um, which is formerly Mississippi Valley Regional Blood Center. Um, that is their website. And you can um, find a link about setting up an appointment to donate. Okay, two two last questions. The first is blood related. Are vampires real? <laughs> well, I think there's some believers definitely out there, um, okay. but none of them work here at St. Luke's. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, that's good to know. Yep. <laughs> One last question. Why did you choose your career in the lab? Yeah, so um, for as long as I can remember, I wanted to work in the medical field. And as a child, you know about either a doctor or a nurse, and that's the only um, medicine-related uh, careers that are really out there and well-known. Um, so I started exploring the field of medicine and learned about laboratory scientists, and I knew it would be the perfect fit for me. Um, it's a lot of problem-solving. It's trying to help providers determine what is occurring with the patient. Um, we also fix analyzers. So um, it's a variety of work and, and in the laboratory, we impact almost every single patient that comes through the doors. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think uh, 
COVID, particularly from the micro and testing side, mm -hmm. has given people in the hospital, doctors and nurses, uh, particularly early on in all the great work you guys did to realize how much the lab is involved in every minute of healthcare and that uh, not having testing supplies has a ripple effect. And, you know, I think you and Cassie and, and Julie's leadership ha have really been a godsend. And uh, I know I speak on behalf of the medical staff. We're glad you're here. Yes, it's um, definitely been challenging and it continues to be a challenge, but um, we we have great people who work down here and um, they put in a lot of effort to meet um, the demands that occur because of of the pandemic or just um, what happens every day with with people getting ill. Yeah, that's so true. Suzanne, this has been great information. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time again. Uh, this was Suzanne Felton, laboratory manager at St. Luke's. If you are interested in donating blood, visit bloodcenter.org to schedule your donation appointment with Impact Life. Thank you for listening to Live Well Talk On. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your family, friends, neighbors, strangers about our podcast. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, be well.